You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. You want to know how to throw a last-minute cocktail party? What champagne to drink? You need to know Sarah Tracy from the Lush Life blog. Well, it makes total perfect sense to me to be sitting here with Sarah Tracy from The Lush Life, a company that she launched in 2014, because how appropriate is it, The Lush, The Lush being extravagant or plush or somebody who drinks a little bit too much, to finally be on drinking on the job. So, Sarah, thank you for being on. It's great to be drinking on the job with you, John. <laughs> and we, are, we already started drinking on the job, so that's kind of cool. Uh, so you, um, uh, you, you're listed on Martha Stewart's website as um, an entertainment expert. Um, so we're going to love talking about how you uh, met Martha Stewart and, and jumped into that. And uh, you launched your own company. And uh, so uh, let's, let's get right to it. So, no, you know what? Let's go to the beginning. Let's go to the very beginning. How do you get into the wine business? How do you become you know, who you are today? Where did it start? Well, I came to wine in a very circuitous way. Mm -hmm. Um, Like many of our colleagues in the industry, I went to school for music. So I moved to New York to uh, pursue a singing career. And I had a band, and we were signed to an indie label, and we were playing all the dive bars and downtown clubs and just doing the whole circuit. And I always had a waitressing job. Always, always, always to pay the rent in between gigs. And I ended up at uh, a hip-hop club as a cocktail waitress for several years, working every night till five o'clock in the morning, you know, getting grabbed and groped constantly and pushing, you know, bottles of Hennessy and Grey Goose to just the whole hip hop community. So you were like using Hennessy to like gangsta up some champagne or what? What? Absolutely. I was like coming in there, a plucky Midwestern girl. (laughs) And by the time I had worked there for a few months, I was really tough. A lot of hypnotic, a lot of uh, (laughs) Alizé and all of that. And, um, you know, there came a time where I really hit the wall with that. So what year was that? What year that was talking? back in like 2005, 2006. Okay. And I knew that I needed to keep waitressing, but I didn't want to work in the hip hop club anymore. Right. I think the, the hip hop club cocktail waitress is, you know, no one's meant to do that forever. That's true. And, <laughs> and, and, and right now, with the, the Me Too, man, that was pre-Me Too. You had to just... You had to have a right jab and a hook and, a, and, a, and a certain attitude, fuck off attitude to even exist in that. I actually right. used to charge guys money if they would grab me inappropriately. What? <laughs> oh my God. That would happen. And I'd, be, I'd turn around and be like, did you just grab me? And he'd be like, so shocked that I actually called him out. I'll be like, that'll be $20. Okay. Next time it'll be 50 <laughs> And it actually worked. They would always pay up and they would never do it again. So okay. I guess I had a little like side hustle that's, <laughs> going uh, on in the hip hop club. I know, you know, I can't touch that legally. So, uh, but right. that's hilarious that yeah. uh, uh, you, uh, you found, uh, you, you're, you're a capitalist, you're an entrepreneur. Look at that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, there was a time where I just knew I was looking for the next, just like gig right. to make some quick cash. Mm. And I saw a Craigslist ad for a server at a little wine bar. And mm. I was like, so this perfect. Is, is the band done at this point? Are you still? No, I'm still in the band. What's the name of the band? Well, that band uh, was Sarah Tracy and the Jet Set Quartet. 
Oh, cool. Or sometimes so the Jet Set Trio. Jazz yeah. uh, influence. Because Lush Life is a Coltrane album, right? Yeah, absolutely. Is that what it's based on? A little bit? Nice double entendre? It's sort of a, a reference to that, too, okay. for, for my music nerds out there. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought, you know, if I need a complete and total change from the hip-hop club, a wine bar is clearly where I need to go. Right. You know, be in bed by 11 p.m., you know, just serve some sunset to some bourgeois people Um, and I had no idea that that job would completely and totally change my life Uh I became fascinated by wine and I realized not only did I love learning about it but I really loved communicating about Mm -hmm. it and um, that was really I guess the beginning of it for me and then the real sort of break that I got was that I went to go work at City Winery in Soho which was a working winery and also a music venue. Combined your two passions. Exactly. And I showed up on the doorstep and I begged them to hire me. And I don't think they were actually looking for anyone at the time, but I think I was very persuasive. And they told me to, you know, show up the next day wearing Uh all black. And they had me uh, emptying and rinsing spit buckets and polishing glassware for like a long time before they let me do anything else. Little wax on, wax off stuff. (laughs) Spit buckets and music. Absolutely. And I don't think they thought I would even come back after that first day, but I was thrilled to be there. I could not have been happier just to be in the middle of you know, the center of the wine world in mm. New York. And I ended up working there for six years. Wow. And working like every job in the building. Did you work with a woman who was a wine director, Stephanie, I can't think of her. Stephanie Johnson. Yeah. Yes. yes. Stephanie She's was brilliant. Yeah. She uh, was kind of one of the first people that, you know, picked me out of the crowd mm-hmm. and noticed that I had, you know, a acute palate and I was really a quick learner and I was so mm. excited. So she would, you know, invite me to assist her pouring at events and, you know, she was wonderful uh, in terms of nurturing everyone's interest in wine. And what I loved about Stephanie that I actually think I've taken with me to this day is that it didn't matter how basic your question was. You know, she would never make you feel stupid. Hmm. She would always honor wherever you were at with your knowledge level. And she was so kind and she treated everyone with so much respect. Yeah. And she really, you know, nurtured young talent. And I I adore Stephanie. I no. wouldn't be where I am without her today. I've tasted many wines with her in this office. Wow. And a uh, great lady and super smart. Yes. A lot, a lot of respect. So so you're at City Winery. By the way, I love City Winery. I mean, I've seen a bunch of people there. Steve Earle. And what people don't realize, or maybe they realize, because uh, it's called City Winery, uh, they have cr- incredible wine list. Yeah, right. so I, you know, once I graduated from spit bucket emptier and glassware <laughs> polisher, I spit bucket um, you. Yes, okay. yeah. you know, I was helping out in the winery and I was helping out in the tasting room, but I was able to be um, basically a sommelier on the floor. Mm. And there's an 800 reference wine list. It's international. It's from all wow. over the world. And so for me, um, you know, that was such an education to mm. be able to be in the cellar every day and you know, unpacking and organizing all these wines and learning about them as I went. And um, a bunch of my colleagues were going through the Court of Masters, you know, path that were at City Winery. So it seemed like a logical next step for me to jump in there with them. Uh, But really, you know, people ask me a lot if I had any like formal school in wine Mm. and like all you need to do is work at City Winery with this massive wine list at a really crazy crowded concert where you're opening and selling, you know, 
a hundred bottles in 45 minutes you right. know that's a, a real quick education okay. right there so uh what's the craziest band that you heard there or music or musician and the craziest wine that you tasted or opened there i'll take the wine question first let's go for wine for 100 easier. john okay uh was it was uh, an eye-opening wine moment for me mm-hmm. because it was the Grovner 04. Oh, sure, from Friuli. Yeah. 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 And I had really never tasted anything even close to being what that experience was. And that was a big moment for me. I didn't even know wine existed in the world that tasted that way. Right. Um, so I'll, I'll never forget you know, that moment. So that was pretty cool. Mm. Um, actually, our owner, Michael, bought a... 18 liter bottle of Phelan Segur 05 and wanted to have this huge wine dinner around it. So of course we put it in, you know, 23 decanters or whatever the math was. And I remember we just were teasing him mercilessly like, Michael, what if it's corked? Like, I can't believe he invested this much wine. Yeah, it must have been a pretty penny to drop on that. (laughs) But experiences like that were pretty, you know, regular at City Winery. We always had you know, winemakers in and out of the building and uh, lots of, you know, crazy wine being tasted and open. My most crazy musical experience was we ha- we hosted a residency by Prince. Oh, God. And no. yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and we couldn't really announce it because wow. with Prince, you never really knew whether he was actually going to show up or not. Right. And so we, we had to bill it as the new power generation, which is, you know, his band. Right. And they were incredible. And we had to like slowly, you know, put the rumor out that Prince may make an appearance. Oh and I think the first four nights of the run, he didn't show. Right. And on night number five, uh, we found out at about 11.45 uh, p.m. that he was on his way. And tweets went out to the world. And, you know, 10 minutes later, we had lines down the block, of course, sure. of people striving to get into our tiny little venue to see Prince. And he took the stage. Um, at around, I think, like 2 a.m. Yeah. And played right. until like 5 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And he played with the band, and then he played with his, his trio, and then he played like a 25-minute just solo on piano. Yeah, he's an amazing it piano player. It was also. incredible. Wow. And as a obviously a big Prince fan, right. um, very, very surreal. And right. I will just never in my life forget about it. And actually, for all the industry people listening, um, you'll appreciate this. He played until, yeah, like 5 or 5.30. And what no one realized at the time was that our POS system was set to reset itself every night at like 4.45 a.m. We'd never been open that late. And so we had all these open tabs and all these credit cards and everything was gone. So the minute the show is over, we have like 400 people trying to close out their bill. Our poor staff has no idea like who drank what. There's credit cards everywhere. There's cash everywhere. And um, yeah, I don't think we were prepared for the reality of like a running a bar and restaurant during something like that. Only thing better than seeing Prince play for like three, four hours would be if they didn't have to pay for it. Then you could just say, I'm in heaven. (laughs) Did he play any like, did he play classic stuff, all new stuff? I mean, the guy is, I don't think they're, I mean, who's more prolific than Prince? I mean, there's stuff that's still in vaults. (laughs) Right? Yeah. The guy plays every instrument. Oh, my, yeah. People's heads must have exploded. Did you get a chance to, like, walk by and catch his sweat? Or No. He, he uh, definitely stayed very far away yeah. from um, any of 
us, but I got to meet so many celebrities, obviously, yeah. from working in that mm-hmm. venue and amazing bands in and out all the time. Well, and the acoustics are amazing because Michael Dorf is last name. Yeah, Michael he, Dorf. So he's the one that built like knitting factories. So uh, like acoustically, I mean, these places are in- incredible. It's a small venue. What's it hold? Um, officially around yeah. 300. So 300. And but we definitely packed more in there for the Prince yeah, run. I'm, I'm sure. But like, uh, I, I mean, acoustically, it's in- incredible. I, I remember at uh, Slim's in San Francisco, uh, the guy, um, Boss Gags, uh, he ran a club, I think called Automatic or Sl- Slim's or something. And uh, he there was like 5,000 pounds of sand under the stage because uh, if you're playing on a hollow stage, as you probably know, being a musician, the sound gets sucked up to the bottom of the stage. Mm-hmm. And I know Dorf has that kind of like sensibility because when you're in there, I saw Steve Earle, I've seen a bunch of people perform that, and the acoustics are just brilliant. Brilliant. So, it's wow. nice because the audience, you know, they're always... They're really invested in the music, so they're a very respectful audience, and yeah. they also really love wine. So, you know, it was a it was a heavenly to work yeah. there. Music geek, wine geek, put them together, man. It's uh, it's the peanut butter and jelly of life. Exactly. Uh, so that's cool. So then you leave there. Where does the next movement go to from here? Yeah, I left there. I guess you know, I honestly had literally worked every job that I could have had, right. um, and I had gotten my feet wet with. Um, some wine education. I was teaching the wine and cheese pairing classes every week, and I was hosting a lot of events. And uh, I just thought, if I don't leave now, I'll be here forever. Good for you. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to take one second now because we just mentioned Prince, and I have all this music rolling through my head. Uh, You know, oh, God. What's the the song? I could drink a case of you. Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a cover, and uh, I mean, he's just his music is so incredible. If you have never heard that, please, uh, um, you know, YouTube it. But we're gonna take this one break and a break to toast to Prince and to your career with the lush life that you're gonna get to with Billicard Simon. So Billicard Simon is a um, still family-owned champagne house from 1816 or somewhere around there. Uh, one of the first champagne houses if not the first to do a rosé and their champ- their billicott rosé is famous uh, all michelin star restaurants uh what's crazy is it's uh, got 40 uh, percent chardonnay some pinot noir and pinot meunier um and it's just brilliant it's one of my favorites i've always had a bottle of this in my fridge particularly when i was a bachelor uh but here let's let's cheers to uh billicott simone and prince cheers all right Okay, so then we're out of 
city winery because you're moving. You're grooving. You got to go somewhere. What are you doing <laughs> exactly. next? Well, in the meantime, I had started a wine blog called mm. The Lush Life that was basically a wine blog dressed up like a lifestyle blog. Mm-hmm. So this would have been, you know, 2012, 2013. Blogs were huge, especially among young women my age. I felt like so many people had a style blog or mm-hmm. a food blog or a DIY home decor. Mm-hmm. And I loved, uh, you know, spending my weekends, you know, checking all those out. And I was like, why doesn't anyone have anything like this for wine? Mm-hmm. You know, at the time, most of wine media was, you know, things like, spectator, you know, collector's wines, talking about, very formal, Mm -hmm. talking about the point scores for wines. And I'm looking around, I'm like, my girlfriends want to know the best rosé under $15 and how to pair it with cheese Mm -hmm. and what type of glass to drink it out of. And that sounds all pretty like standard issue now, but at the time there really wasn't a lot of content on the internet focusing on that side of wine. And so I had started the blog and that eventually came to the attention of the editorial team at Martha Stewart Living. Very cool. And they had been looking for someone to come and write some dedicated wine content for them. And so I had been you know, maintaining the lush life, also had a column for Martha Stewart, and I was getting invited on media trips, and I was traveling and you know, really living uh, living that lush life, I guess you could say. (laughs) And I thought um, it would be, it would be, you know, a good next step would be to work for like a really prestigious restaurant group and like really get my sommelier skills like kind of up at the next level. So um, it turned out that Vitaly and Bastianich were opening La Serena, which was in the Maritime Hotel, which is no longer there. Yeah. Space but, is cursed, but yeah, I uh, think I think you're right about <laughs> that. That um, I got hired to be on their opening team, mm-hmm. actually as a dining room manager. Right, I've been kind of overseeing a lot of what the wine team is doing, mm-hmm. and I have to be honest, I was determined to stay at least a year. And after about six months, I just had to be true to myself and said, "This isn't for me. This isn't my place. I don't feel like I fit in with the culture," and. You know, I was so underpaid and so overworked. That's what people don't realize. The re- the restaurant business is notorious for that, particularly a restaurant group, whether it's Denny Meyer, the Batali Group, Carbone, any of these big restaurant groups. They feel like you can work here. We're going to underpay you because you'll be able to put this on your resume and Absolutely. parlay this into something better and bigger for yourself. So we're doing you a favor. Yeah. So while I, you're working 80 hours a week. Exactly. And I was. That's exactly right. I was working that long and I was having a really hard time balancing you know, my writing and my blogging and my teaching and all the other stuff I was trying to do, um, that it just didn't feel, didn't feel worth the sacrifice when I saw what was at the top of the ladder. Right. It just wasn't a ladder I felt like I particularly wanted to climb. Also, there's no, uh, there's no women at the top of that group. Exactly. So, uh, and with a recent history of what what went on there, uh, I don't think you were going to probably not be overlooked don't you agree or absolutely I think you know the moment that I realized I this is just not my place is um I was on the floor one night and Mario Batali was holding court in the dining room Mm -hmm. and he was sitting at this VIB table and I swear to god it was like Bono (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow Mario a bunch of their fabulous friends and 
I just remember him waving at me across the room being like, Sarah, Sarah, come over here. And I go over to the table and I was like, of course, Mario, like what can I get for you? Thinking I was gonna assist them with wine or they needed something. And he's like, come sit on my lap. And he insisted that I would sit on his lap in the middle of a busy service. And part of the whole shtick was I just had to laugh and be like, oh, Oh, Mario, you're so crazy. (laughs) And then all of his celebrity friends are laughing, and it was humiliating. And, you know, that's not to say that everyone at the company was that way. And I met some amazing people when I worked there. Um, You know, two of my most favorite men that I've ever worked for worked for that restaurant, and Mm. they've moved on to other wonderful things now. But Um, the fact that um, he did humiliate you, like that, and particularly in front of you know Gwyneth Paltrow and Bono, like you know flirting his power, like he's some fucking disgusting king in his court who's going to have one of the concubines come over and entertain him. And yeah, um, uh, it's it's kind of gross. And I got to say, Gwyneth Paltrow, I, I, I stayed incredibly silent during all of this uh, this kind of monstrous behavior that has come out afterwards because she used to travel through Spain and go through really shitty. Winery is like uh, the biggest Rioja p- producer in Spain. Like, oh, this is great. And uh, I think it's uh, the irony of, uh, you know, the woman who has a candle, apparently, that uh, smells oh. like her vagina that she's marketing. <laughs> um, I'm sure you've heard about this, right? Yeah. yeah it's like, really? Okay. Let's, uh, we'll leave the candle alone. It was disheartening. And yeah. at the time, you know. Yeah. It just seemed like something that everyone should laugh off, and it was just Mario being his crazy self, and it was just part of, part of the gig. And looking back on it now, I mean, I have no regrets about right. leaving, and you know, I obviously gave proper notice, and right. you know, respectfully ended my time said, at the company. And you owe me forty bucks, motherfucker. <laughs> you should <laughs> exactly. Back in the club days, that's a forty dollar you owe me. Uh, well, you know, karma. Is exactly. a bitch, and it's yep. uh, best served uh, uh, with pasta, apparently. Right. So, uh, so you left there, and yes. uh, w- what happens after that? Because um, I had a series of wonderful jobs. Um, after that, I got my very first wine director role, where I got to cool. run my own wine program at uh, a little boutique hotel in Midtown called the Renwick. Oh, cool! A little steakhouse called Bedford and Co. And that was. Um, so fun. I had like about 175 selection list and I got, it was the first time I got to make all the buying decisions and wow. really, um, you know, have that experience, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, from there I was there a little over a year and I got the opportunity to take over the program at Rouge Tremont when Pascaline LaPeltier left the oh, company. Yeah. So I became the wine director in the, in the wake of Pascaline moving right. on. Sure. The job nobody in New York wanted, but. So that's, I, a t- that's a tough act to follow, as exactly. they would say. Exactly. Yeah. I think for the first like three months, every time I would share that, people would just be like, wow, you have some big shoes to fill. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm filling my own shoes, guys. Like, yeah. Don't worry it's, about me. I'm fine. <laughs> I've seen it. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, well, good for you. And then you, after that. So where does the uh, Martha Stewart thing start to happen? Yeah, so that was actually when I was still at City Winery. Um, they were looking, you know, for someone to come and write some dedicated wine content for them. And I will give my hat off to them for that because up to that point, they had a lot of like how to build a mimosa bar, like those types of, of right. you know, beverage pieces. And they were paying attention and they started to notice that in their search box on the website, people were coming asking all these wine questions and the, the team said wow we really need to get a wine expert in here 
um, because if we don't put up by the content, people are going to go elsewhere to find it. And one thing that's pretty incredible about just Martha Stewart and her whole empire is that for you know all of her magazine properties, whether they're digital or print, uh, the contributors are all working professionals in their field. Right. So you know the, the the woman writing like the baking column is a professional baker. Oh no, she hires the best of the best. Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty cool to right. you know be a working professional that was also able to. Um, you know, dispense advice and tips and tricks to the women of America. That was a really cool. Is it predominantly female? All female? Um, in terms of their contributor yeah. network, I think there's a few guys in there, there? a few okay. brave no, just, men. Just curious, yeah. <laughs> but she definitely has done a lot for you know advocating for women, Good especially in the world of you know lifestyle media. It's it's heavily female, but mm. uh, I think that when I started writing that column. All of a sudden, everybody would answer my phone calls. Right. You know, it was just such a door opener. Yeah, that's pretty I cool. I had no idea what it was in for. And um, it's been five years, and I've written, like, probably close to 80 articles. Wow, that's very cool. For the site. And a lot of it is, um, you know, wine 101s and explaining, like, you know, everything you need to know about dessert wine. Right. You know, the difference between champagne and other sizes of sparkling wine. So some of it is more technical. But then we do fun pieces like... You know, some fun food and wine pairing stories and... How to throw up on a boat daintily. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So did you meet Martha? I did. I did meet Martha. So this is... Uh, I, I, I gotta say, I love Martha Stewart. Like her, her, her street cred. Like she's hanging with Snoop Dogg oh, yeah. and like all those little skits. Like you know, Martha Stewart showing you how to make a shank. That you is a hundred percent accurate. She is gangster. She's like, I like, fucking love her. And, <laughs> she but, is. I mean, think about like two thousand eight. The, the financial crisis happened. All these guys skate. Nobody goes to fucking jail. Martha Stewart goes to jail for insider trading. Yep. I mean, how fucked up is that? And she served her time, and she made it right. happen. Um, yeah, she's amazing. That, I got a great photo with her, which I then framed for my parents for Christmas. And I think, for me, you know, the best thing about being associated with Martha Stewart and contributing there is that my parents finally understand that I have a real job, and right. it's not just you know singing and dancing and the, drinking around right. New York City. You see, she's not an alcoholic. Exactly. Here she is with Martha. <laughs> she's just not a booze hound. She's working. So right. Martha loves her yeah. wine, and yeah. she loves her gin and her yeah. her cocktails and all of that. It so. would it would totally uh, make sense to me. So uh, so then so the Martha Stewart thing just opens doors, and you now you have tons of followers and. Um, and, yeah. and you're doing that solely now? You're not in restaurants anymore? Um, I'm consulting, which right. I love. Yeah, um, that's so right. I, we met, you were consulting on a yeah. wine list, and uh, that's how we kind of hooked up. Yeah, so I have two different restaurants that I'm you know, working um, kind of behind the scenes on their wine program and making sure they're profitable and organized and the inventory looks great, making sure the staff is trained. But I'm no longer working the floor on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and that's been, I think, every sommelier, many of us are secretly looking for you know, ways to not work evenings uh, and weekends uh, and miss everyone's uh, wedding anymore. Sure. So. Uh, oh, the, the wonderful exit strategy everyone's looking for because exactly. of what we talked about. Long, yeah. ridiculous hours, standing for, you know, 12-hour shifts. Um, it does have a shelf life. You have to go, I got to figure out what my next uh, step or move is. And, and, and congrats to you to figure it out. I mean, you've, you have a huge following. Uh, I've seen your videos. Uh, they're amazing. You're going through cookbooks and uh, has anyone ever like opened a cookbook and you realize I 
this recipe, I have no idea what I'm doing. You walk people through great recipes. And um, so that's kind of fun. Are you pulling like a, a new cookbook each time or is it? Or I'm like, trying a project work? where I'm going to choose a different cookbook each month. So there'll be like four recipes maybe out of a cookbook. I will teach myself how to make them because I'm not a professional chef. I love to cook at home. I also love to cook. Yeah. But, um, you know, I find that sometimes we get, you know, in the same rut where we're always, you know, we have our, our greatest hits, I call them. You know, when you have people over, you know, you can make like this kind of crostini and put a charcuterie board out and make a roasted chicken and call it a day. And I love making a roasted chicken and putting a charcuterie board out. But, you know, I wanted to find ways of coming, uh, of teaching myself just some new fun things okay. I could whip up and pairing them with wine and pairing them with cocktails, too. Okay. So um, let's go to uh, what is like the most easiest, badass thing you can throw out when friends are coming over that makes you look like a rock star that takes minimal effort? How's that for a, a quiz? Uh, caviar. Ooh. All you have to do is know how to open the tin. That's the, And you serve it with like... Potato chips. A big oh. bowl of crunchy potato chips, put out a bowl of sour cream, put out a bowl of caviar, and everyone will be talking about it for okay, like yeah. a year. You know what? That's it uh, is a, it's a badass thing okay, to put out, and it uh, requires zero talent. That's, a, that's <laughs> true, and people are still going, ooh. And caviar yeah. potato chips, if, if, yeah. if people have not yeah. yet tried this pairing with a little sour cream and maybe like a little chopped chives on top if you're feeling decadent, oh. um, you know, nothing better. Nothing um, better than that with some champagne. I, I love it. I love uh, Lure Fish Bar does uh, little hard-boiled eggs with a little bit of caviar on oh, top. Yes. And that's just so beautiful, and they start you a lot of times with that um, mm -hmm. if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you're of uh, VIP status, which apparently I, I have <laughs> gotten. So... Um, and um, so let's go to, let's go to, it's winter time. We're in the winter doldrums and you're gonna have people over. What are you gonna cook? It's 20 degrees out like it is today. And uh, let's go to the food and the wine thing. What's your favorite? So I'm super into for like the late winter mm -hmm. dinner party. I'm into doing like a fondue night. Fondue, is it like raclette? Is it there similar? Yeah. Is it raclette? It has its own whole culture around yeah, it. That's true. You have to heat it and you have to scrape it and it gets oh, the gooey, right. melty thing. Yeah, yeah. The, any Alpine style cheese, like a Gruyere, an Emmentaler, Jarlsberg. Right. Um, I actually once went on a ski, week, ski weekend with friends and brought like $200 worth of cheese, but forgot my snow boots. That's like classic me. <laughs> <laughs> the cheese was clearly at the right. top of my mind right. what needed to come yeah. on the ski weekend. But I think a fondue party, maybe if you could just like melt some Alpine style cheeses together, put out some bread and some vegetables. Um, it's a fun dinner party thing because if you drop your bread in the fondue, oh, you, yeah. you have to like kiss the person next to you. Is that true? Uh -huh. Oh, that's the game? If you're a woman, you have to kiss the person next to you. If you're a man, you have to buy a bottle of wine for the table. <laughs> that's like wow. technically the rules, I think. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. That's a winter game that could cause some problems. But for wine, <laughs> I think it's such a fun time to like rock out like your Jura wines, your Savoie, mm -hmm. you know, maybe if you can get your hands on some Swiss wine. Sure. Um, yeah. How fun is that? So yeah. I think and it's a way to kind of get some like geeky obscure wines at your dinner party in a really fun way. And 
I think the whole theme of fondue is really fun and retro. I do love that. Put some That's... Dave Brubeck on the hi-fi. Oh, you know? shit. We're going music, <laughs> wine, and cheese yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Right. We just built, I, I almost hear the fire crackling Absolutely. in the background. That's so cool. <laughs> I think my approach to entertaining friends is just like, have fun with it. It doesn't have yeah. to be that serious. Yeah, and, and just uh, easy another easy cleanup kind of thing, too, really. Oh, yeah. Kind of like, I'm all about the easy cleanup, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Cool. And so let's go to uh, some winter reds uh, that you love when it's uh, cold. And I'll go tit for tat here with you. So uh, uh, I will start. I'll go very classic. I love Chateauneuf de Pop. I you love, beat like, me, oh, too, and I was okay. going to say Southern Rhone. <laughs> Southern Rhone, for me, is like, it's a little yeah. bit higher in alcohol because of the heat. Sure. It's Grenache Syrah, and it's just, it warms you, and it's got always this kind of garrigue that they call in the Southern Rhone, which is like rosemary and thyme, and it's just, it's savory, and you just, yeah. just it's just a... Uh, uh, I love it. So you're going to have to go. You're going to have to pivot off my Chateauneuf. That is a great fireplace wine. That is a great fireplace wine. I don't know. I'm a Brunello girl. Okay. All like, right. Yeah, sure. A, l- a luscious kind of a richer style. Brunello is an age on it in front yep. of the fire. That's um, juicy, juicy. Yeah. And always, I mean, a bowl of pasta during the f- most frigid winter nights will oh, warm you to my, your heart. So, so Brunello and a big bowl of pasta. I, I love it. Um, so I guess we'll, let's just talk about some food here while we're at it. Uh, what's your favorite pasta place? Hmm, my favorite pasta place, because there's so many good ones. Yeah. I love Il Buco. We were talking about that earlier. I know. It's just every, it's like every other show when somebody's here, they go, it's Il Buco. <laughs> and I do, I was, I hate to, I was there today. Oh my gosh. I was there today. I drank 2003 Musar and I had the Tagliatelle with razor clams. Oh, yes. And we started with the Cavallanero, and uh, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Have you been to Resdora? No, not yet. Resdora is like. It's on my list. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, Il Buco, my, uh, a former roommate and dear friend of mine used to work there. She used to bartend. So I was like oh, their bar fly. Robin Roberts. Oh, okay. I don't know if you know Robin, know. but. Yeah, I used to, you know, just come into the bar like twice a week and just get an incredible a, bowl of pasta. Uh, I also love the uni spaghetti at Marea. Oh. If you sit at the bar at Marea and... I love uni. Yeah. Love uni. All Michael White's Uni's, restaurants. Osteria yeah. Marini is fantastic. They yeah. have incredible pasta. No. Michael White is he's one of the top pasta makers in oh, the city, right? I mean, it's just... Amazing. Uh, yeah, his, 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 uh, his pasta is great. Um... Where else do you go for like winter comfort food in New York? Oh, winter comfort food. Um, I have to plug, you know, my... Oh, the sirens just went by. Somebody <laughs> okay. just uh, had a heart attack eating Osabuco. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, my favorite winter comfort foods. I'll plug, you know, my own neighborhood in Brooklyn. I love to support, you know, my local okay, sure. uh, establishments. Let's do it. So um, I love Frankie's. I'm in, in Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn. Oh, sure, sure. On uh, on Court Street. Court Street. And they I have an love. incredible new wine bar next door called Frank's. Yep. They have a beautiful wine list. Um, the Cavatelli with hot sausage oh, is man. amazing. And you can get just some really interesting wines, really from around the world. Um, it's not an all Italian list, but it's no. it's pretty fantastic. I'd be happy at Frank and the bar at Frank's with the bowl of that cavatelli. Oh, and such a cozy bar. Yeah. I had I had uh, Conterno Barbera that they had by the glass, where it was kind of crazy. But it's he's one of the top producers, and with pasta. Yeah. Oh my God! There's just something. Pasta's a hug, isn't it? Pasta's it, a completely. hug. It gets everything kind of going. It's so beautiful. Uh, uh, at winter time, it's just a great risotto. Same oh, thing. There's absolutely. How do you not go? Um, 
So speaking of like, oh, so let's get to the food and wine stuff too. Uh, you know, one of my cool places, you mentioned uh, caviar and potato chips. And you know where I immediately went? Hmm. Is to Air Champagne Bar. Have you been to like the, this little group, Tokyo Bar and like uh, Special Club? Uh, it's so fun. It's just all wow. up my alley because they have beautiful products that are so, so thoughtfully sourced, but they're such a whimsical, like fun, mm. tongue in cheek attitude. Right. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously again, but it's just, it's welcoming and it's, it's just a, the whole vibe there is so much fun. Uh, the woman who owns it and runs it, Ariel, I'm yeah. going to get on the on the show because she's she's yeah. amazing. She's like uh, I haven't actually met her, but uh, we have a lot of mutual friends, and I'm a huge fan of hers. But uh, is it Special Club that's underneath? Yeah, which I haven't been yet. Wow, it's like we went to Special Club. It's under underneath uh, Niche Niche, and they have incredible music. And it's an old supper club, but it, I mean, it feels like an old supper club, but it's not pretentious at all. Yeah. You roll in. I rolled in with some people there. They put caviar down on the table with potato chips, and we started with a bottle of champagne. I'm like, wow. We're off to a good this start. This <laughs> is a really... And then the music just killed that night. So great. So it's it's one of my favorite little places. What's, what's a little stomping ground you'd love to also pop into? Just to pop by. Cocktails or wine, like great wine list. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you mine in Red Hook. Oh, yeah. There's a place called Popina. Okay. It's really small. In the wintertime, they have a front room. Summertime, they open up. They have a bocce court, and it's incredible. And a big grill up back, but then in the winter, they have to shut it all down. But the guy who runs the wine program has a reserve list. And, and the regular list is fantastic. But he has stuff on the list like... You know, older Dovisat, which is a Chablis producer, wow. and uh, old Gatanara, and, and like really crazy wines, and the, the markup is nothing. Nothing. I mean, you're like, oh my God. So you go there, you ask for James, and you ask for the reserve list, you'll be happy, happy. That's incredible. Uh, it's a red hook uh, of all places. Yeah, yeah, I have to pop down there. What's it called again? Uh, Popina. P-O-P-I-N-A. And ask for James. Amazing. Um, but uh, so what's, what's next for you? My love language is absolutely serving people wonderful food and amazing drinks and wine. So uh, the more I can do in terms of teaching mm. uh, people how to effectively do that, you know. Best food movie or uh, show that you like? The best food movie un undoubtedly is Ratatouille. Ratatouille, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's a better one out there, uh -huh. um, which I love. And then I'm, I'm a sucker for like any food competition show. No, I'll tell you, I love an Iron Chef or a Iron Chopped Chef. or something yeah. like that. You know? The one that I can't stand is the little kids being chefs. Oh, I There's love that. Really? I just... Master I, I, Chef Junior. Yeah, it's like, I, I'm sorry, young Tom, your Burblanc broke and you're going to have to go to a timeout. They're so uh, cute yeah. and they, you can tell their little jaws are quivering. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying not to cry and they have to stand on a stool in order to reach the counter to cook. That's the difference between me and you. Like, you don't want them to cry. I'm like, oh, please cry, <laughs> you little shit. <laughs> I love, I love those little kids. I have to tell you, I, I do. Uh, do you have a cocktail place you want to recommend? Because I know you do a lot of cocktails. Yeah. And what, what, do you notice the shift from wine to cocktails? It's pretty crazy, right? There's like... Yeah, I uh, think, I mean, the cocktail community has just done such an amazing job at innovating yeah. and, yeah. Um, you know, offering... I mean, you can go to a great cocktail bar and, you, like, get a history lesson if you want to. Yeah. Or you can sure. just, like, have a fun, you know, martini with your friends. I love the Clover Club and, again, another, like, Brooklyn institution. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely one of my cocktail haunts for sure. Weather Up is a good cocktail bar. As oh well. yeah, uh, 
that's one of my favorites. I mean, any, anywhere, you know, sometimes I'll just go very simple and just do a gin martini. Or I loved actually Dante. Speaking oh, of, my God. Wait. <laughs> like okay, anything totally right. bitter, I love okay, Dante. Man, it's amazing. You just trumped me huge. Oh, Dante is yeah. incredible. And I popped in uh, there a couple weeks ago. It was like 1 a.m. Yeah. And it was a freezing cold, like frigid evening. The streets were empty. Dante was jamming. No, you, you can't. It's a, it's in the West Village. Do you know the, I don't know what the streets are. It's on are. McDougal. It's on McDougal. And it is like the people who put that together, yeah. they, they know what they're doing. I mean, there's a vibe. Yeah. Attention to detail. Negroni's on cocktail. tap. Negroni's on tap. Think about that. They have bottle cocktails too that are great. Like Jesus, little baby, uh, like pre-mixed bottle cocktails. Wonderful antipasti. They just uh, knock it out of the park at Dante. Thank you. Uh, so I want people to follow you. So let's give out some shout out some information. The Lush Life uh, yeah, in New York. So like where are we where are we where are people going on to get your recipes, to get your cookbook stuff, to all oh, let's let's roll it through. Yeah, so if you want like fun wine content, food wine, and amazing travel porn, because I travel a lot and oh, posting that. a lot of that on my Instagram is where I'm hanging out the most online. Okay. As I'm at thelushlife.xyz. Okay. And then my website, if you want to actually learn about wine, mm-hmm. um, lots of you know, wine basics and uh, helping you get your wine game on point with all the tips and tricks you need to confidently rock a restaurant wine list, nice. walk through any wine shop and feel confident and comfortable just perusing those shelves, um, how to order wine at a restaurant, all of those things um, are going to be on my website, which is thelushlife.xyz. Thank you, Sarah, for being on. I thought the, the lush life and drinking on the job got married today. Thank you for being yes. on. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for having me, John. This is so fun. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Thank you.